0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Every Square Inch. I know, I know, I know it's been too long. Uh, For those not in the loop, I've had a lot going on, and that's putting it mildly. I am in the midst of a transition. I have stepped down from my more conventional calling as senior pastor at TCPC, and I am taking on a more unconventional, broader pastoral calling uh, to the state of Kentucky. So the podcast has been on hold during that transition, but it's only a brief hold. When I get going with my new role, I will have the space to produce more content uh, more consistently, and this podcast will be a big part of that. So I have heard the feedback. I'm telling you now, I have heard the feedback. I get that I'm not recording much these days, but I promise, Lord willing, there's a lot more content to come. For your own expectations, I'm going to record two podcasts in the coming weeks. One will be reflections, uh, lessons learned, and so forth on my 16 years of pastoral ministry. And then another will be detailing exactly what I will be doing in my new calling, which I am very excited to share. And then maybe in December, but definitely in January, I'm going to hit the ground running with a lot more podcasts in my new role. But I had a request that I'm going to oblige here in this podcast. Podcast. Uh, Monday is Halloween, and I once wrote an article on the Christian participation Halloween that is somewhere out there in the ether of the internet. But a good friend asked if I could record a podcast on the topic that he could share as a resource. He said, People don't read anymore, they listen. Could you record what you wrote in a podcast? And so when, when I wrote the article long ago, it did get some attention and based upon feedback seemed to be a helpful resource for folks. And so I agreed to break my temporary hiatus and record some brief thoughts on Halloween that I hope will be helpful. Should Christians participate in Halloween? Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, that might seem like a weird question, and I understand that, uh, but it's actually something that many Christians and churches struggle with. I've heard that question many times from Christian parents struggling with uh, what to do with Halloween. Uh, when I was a youth pastor many years ago, we had a, a family leave the church because I hosted a youth Halloween event. So it's a real struggle for a lot of Christians, and I don't want to so easily dismiss it as just you know crazy Christian fundamentalism. Let's instead choose to be charitable to those who struggle with Halloween. After all, it is a holiday that on the surface seems to be devoted to evil, a celebration of death and darkness. Why wouldn't Christians who are commanded to hate what is evil and cling to what is good struggle with whether to participate in a holiday like that? Certainly struggle with whether to allow their impressionable children to do so. Well, what if I told you that far from celebrating evil, Halloween is our opportunity to mock evil. Halloween is a humiliating night for Satan and all his evil forces, and he would much prefer you to not participate and save him the embarrassment. Allow me to explain. In the Christian tradition, November 1st is known as All Saints Day. A day set aside to honor and celebrate the triumph of saints who have gone before us, especially our martyred brothers and sisters. Now, a more historic word word for saint is hallow. And so the day was originally known as All Hallows Day. Now, like any good holiday, an important part of the celebration involved the night before, All Hallows Eve. Thus, the contraction Halloween came to be. The tradition of Halloween is a celebration of our confidence over the demonic realm. So Ephesians 6 lets us in on our uh, truest battle that we are facing. It says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So on the eve of the day that we remember those who fought that fight, it is appropriate to celebrate that in Jesus, they actually won that fight. Unlike what we see in Hollywood, Satan's terror is not haunted houses or possessed children. It's something much scarier. Accusations. He is called our great accuser, and there is much to accuse us of. Surely you have the self-awareness to admit that if there is a God, and if that God is just— then there are countless reasons why that God should judge you. And those reasons, these sins that we have all committed, serve as Satan's accusatory ammunition. He says to a just and holy God, you must condemn those whom you love. Satan has no power over God, but he does have a ploy. He pits our sins against God's justice in what seems to be an irreconcilable dilemma. God must condemn what is evil, and Satan is quick to point out what is evil in all of us. And yet All Hallows Day celebrates the triumph, not the condemnation, of the saints. How can this be when there is seemingly no escape from Satan's accusations and God's condemnation? Second Corinthians 5.21 God made him who knew no sin. That's Jesus, the perfect Jesus. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's the great exchange offered to us in the gospel. Jesus takes our sin and is condemned as such. We receive his righteousness and are accepted as such. Therefore, God in the gospel of Jesus has stripped Satan, of all ammunition, leaving him nothing left to accuse us of. Colossians 2 says this perfectly. In the cross, it says, God disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Jesus. The cross of Jesus disarmed the rulers and authorities of evil, and in this way they were put to shame so that Calvary is simultaneously our victory and Satan's mockery. And that's exactly what we do on All Hallows' Eve. We mock Satan. So confident are we in the triumph of Jesus that we literally have a holiday set aside to talk trash to Satan. We will take what should be scary, devil, demons, and death, and turn them into an occasion for a neighborhood party. In fact, we're so confident in Christ that we will actually dress our children up as a mockery of evil because for the Christian, Satan is as scary as a kid in a mask. Now, is that how our culture approaches Halloween? Of course not. Its origins have been lost and admittedly it has become the opposite of what was intended. It now is in many ways a revelry in evil. I mean, some of the costumes I see in the neighborhood and houses that we visit when we're trick-or-treating with the kids, they, they freak me out. And I also know that you know college students and young adults, they use Halloween as an excuse to host just debauchery parties. So I get it. I'm admitting it's not what it was originally designed to be. So then it comes down to the much greater question of how Christians should approach culture. Now, I'm actually about to get in my car when I finish recording this and drive to Louisville to give a talk on this very subject to other pastors and church leaders. And what I'm going to tell them is it seems to me Christians think they only have three options when it comes to culture—receive, retreat, or renounce. So, receive—we will uncritically just join the ways of our culture. Retreat—we will hide from our culture in little Christian subculture. Or renounce—we will just condemn the culture— through forms of protest. So we could receive Halloween and participate as if there is no difference between us and the rest of the world. We could retreat from Halloween and participate in a cleaner, uh, Christianized version in our Christian subculture. Or we could renounce Halloween and just turn the porch light off, hide from our neighbors, and not allow your kids to participate and so forth. But there's a better way than receive, retreat, or renounce. You could redeem You could say we are going to participate but do it differently we are going to celebrate halloween the way it was originally intended and reclaim halloween the way it should be you could open your bible with your kids and read one of the passages where the demons tremble before jesus and discuss the amazing truth that what scares us is scared of our savior that there is literally nothing to fear tonight because jesus is more powerful you could pause as a family to uh, give thanks to Jesus for his triumph over sin and death and then go out, let the kids scream and laugh, meet neighbors, eat candy, be free, and have as much fun as is fitting those who have nothing to fear in life or in death because in Jesus you indeed have nothing to fear. In the early uh, 16th century, a monk named Martin Luther was a terrified man. He lived in constant fear of Satan's accusations and the looming judgment of God. But in his scripture readings, he discovered, or a better way to say that is he rediscovered, the gospel that disarms the accusations of Satan and sets sinners free from judgment. And Luther was transformed from a terrified man to a free and joyful man. And he wanted to tell the world what he had found so he nailed his findings onto his church's door as a form of protest to the church's teachings at the time which he argued had forgotten the gospel that he had discovered that protest of course would spark the protestant protestant reformation as we know it well guess what day luther chose to nail his protest to the door october 31st all hallows eve in a symbolic act he chose to tell the world what he had found on the day of Satan's mockery because what he had found was the good news that Satan's accusations have been disarmed and we literally have nothing to fear. Halloween is not something Christians should be afraid to celebrate, quite the opposite. Halloween is a night of gospel surety and hell's mockery. What should scare us is scared of our Jesus. So I would suggest Christians, more than anyone else, should enjoy halloween go have some fun at hell's expense and talk a little trash to the devil all right thanks for listening like i said i'm going to be back in the coming weeks with two important episodes then when my new role gets off the ground a lot more consistent content on the podcast to look forward to so stay tuned